One of the things I tell the ladies all the time is most of ministry happens in between the meetings. And so what I mean by that is you give a Christ-centered, wonderful, biblical message up front, and it, but after it's over, the people that you talk to, those phone calls that you get, that shepherding, I mean, and, and, the, and the message that your own life gives is so much more than the 30 minutes that you're speaking up front. Welcome to Help Me Teach the Bible. I'm Nancy Guthrie, and this is the podcast for people who love the Bible, and we love the Bible, not just reading it for ourselves, but we're people who want to read and understand the Bible to give it back to others. And we have the great privilege of going to God's Word, seeking to understand it well, to own it, and then give it back out. And we want to handle the Word of God rightly. And today I'm talking to two really good friends of mine. One is Donna Dobbs. Donna graduated from RTS Jackson with a master's in Christian education. For 28 years, she was the director of Christian education at First Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, Now she serves over the uh, education for women and children. Uh, She's been a trainer for Christian education and publications, the PCA denominations, uh, publications, organization. She's been an adjunct professor at Belhaven University, a lecturer at Reformed Theological Seminary, and an adjunct professor at Covenant Seminary. So, good grief, you've done a lot of teaching, Donna. I I love teaching. It's what the Lord called me to. That's where I find my joy. Um, it's a delight and a privilege to work with younger generations and to learn from them as well as to share some of the things I've learned along the way. It's a delightful thing to be asked to do. It's a privilege, isn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. Also with us is Carrie Stainback, and Carrie has her master's in biblical counseling from Dallas Theological Seminary. She's spent a number of years in private practice as a counselor to women, and she's now the director of women's ministries at Park City's Presbyterian Church in Dallas. So, Carrie, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us about mm. helping us to teach the Bible. You're welcome. I love doing this. It's great. One of my favorite things to talk about. Yeah. Well, Carrie, let's start with you. Help people understand what your role is. What is what is your uh, role over uh, women's ministry? You're over a, a lot of dim, different um, aspects of women teaching. They do all different mm-hmm. kind of groups. You're mm-hmm. you're planning things, um, but day to day, what is your role like in the church? What are you doing? Well, I mean, as you just mentioned, technically, my um, role is to coordinate all, everything having to do with the women's side of the church. And as we know, that usually ends up being over 50% of the women. Um, and then our unit of work, the thing that we put the most emphasis on is getting women to study the Bible. Um, our church loves teaching, and we tend to be uh, filled, thankfully, with women who have a teaching gift. So we have a bunch of Bible studies. We have eight different options to come to Bible study and um, so I, we, therefore, spend a lot of time figuring out how to make those things work. So that's a bulk of my day. And then um, getting to teach one myself, um, that's really fun. Most and, times, summer, fall, spring, are you? Or is that just come and go in terms of your own teaching? Um, I, I mean, it's pretty much all year round, something. Um, sometimes it's a small group. Sometimes it's a larger group. Sometimes it's substituting for something really big. Um, or, but most of the time... 
Let, I will say this. I get a great joy out of discovering the gift that God has put in a woman and then launching her to get in that role. Mm. And teaching is a, is a delight to watch that happen and to watch them just come alive in that. And, and in that, I mean, one of the most freeing things that the Lord's taught me Thankfully, early on, because I knew I might not be the sharpest knife in the drawer. I don't believe it. <laughs> but but it is so, it was freeing to realize I don't have to be the expert in every single area. God put the church together to launch the giftedness in out of the pews into his church and in the kingdom and to get to get to know women and help them get in their roles and make disciples is, is wonderful. How about you, Donna? What does your work look like? week by week what Carrie said in terms of our jobs and situations that uh, I do some ongoing teaching but in a large church equipping is much more what you're called on to do is to increase the ministry of the saints to enroll them in kingdom work to train them to teach the bible and so it's less uh, upfront lecture than it is small meeting times and resourcing um, counseling getting with folks and I love my work Uh, it's it's very seasonal, and I like the change that that does. I mean, I could say, I mean, typically there are three things going on. I'm always meeting with people, with teachers and leaders and staff. Uh, I'm always planning what's the next study, who's going to teach the next thing, what are the next uh, services and events, and um, then I'm always studying and evaluating. Mm-hmm. Um, I work a lot with curricula year-round, uh, assessing it, writing questions for it. Um, because basically I'm in charge of the curricula uh, mm-hmm. of the church of what is studied. Yeah. That's my field. That's, that's what I studied. And, and I we're going to talk about how you choose that because okay. it's a big challenge for you okay. guys. So both of you are in situations where you probably are always looking toward that next season and you're wondering who's going to teach women's Bible study, you know, or who's going to lead this small group. And you, for so many years, Donna, you were doing not just women's and children's ministry, but you're always looking for adult leaders and all of those things. So I wondered, I assume you kind of always have your eye out looking for someone that you think might have some gifts, some abilities. You see some, some, something you want to fan into flame. Um, so tell us, what do you look for when you are thinking about asking someone to teach? Donna, you start. What do you look for in someone? Well, I have to say that there is a, a joke at the church that when Donna stands up in the fellowship hall with her clipboard, scanning the faces of the congregation, that, that people leave the room like rats off of a ship diving out of the windows. They know it's recruitment time. Yeah. <laughs> But there are there are seriously things that I look for, and it, the most important thing, because it's the most important hour, I believe, of teacher training, is worship. You have to hmm. start with worship as the primary source of teacher training, because what you're trying to do in teaching is to create, to develop, and to grow worshipers. Hmm. That's the purpose. Of so teaching. it's just someone who attends worship. Absolutely, that's where you start. You got to look at faithfulness to the means of grace, mm-hmm. and how God is working that in their hearts and how that's reflecting. That's the first sign of a good teacher. Uh, Secondly, you look for a growing disciple, someone that you can observe spiritual growth in, in their home, uh, in their friendships, in their work life, that they're serious about taking what they believe into those fields, uh, about being a change agent 
for the Lord in those. You look for somebody beyond that who is a lover of the word of God. Mm -hmm. And you can see that in lots of different ways. I get to see it probably in, we have a slate of Bible studies. We have hundreds of women weekly. And um, so you see who loves Bible study and you see who is faithful in their attendance, who gets excited about discussing the word, who does their homework at home, and who can't wait to come and share what they've learned during the week, that they can begin to articulate their faith uh, in ways. And then the, uh, the fourth one is articulation. You, you know, you look for somebody who can express ideas, can build on ideas, make logical arguments. Uh, those people are going to have sort of the upfront gifts for a teaching for a teacher so those are the things i'm always looking and it's not really magic it's pretty obvious mm. it's mm -hmm. very easy to spot somebody who would be a good teacher even if they've never done mm. it before how about you carrie do you find it easy to spot yes it's easy to spot i'm just not always in the right place at the right time to find those women mm. and and so um for instance i teach in the young women's bible study so i i can pick up on the young the few that have the gift in that area. And yet I rely heavily on the existing teachers who already have been teaching in the larger women's Bible studies to identify those women who are, who are demonstrating the giftedness and the faithfulness. And, and really, um, one of the things I tell the ladies all the time is most of ministry happens in between the meetings. Hmm. And so what I mean by that is you, Yes, you you give a Christ-centered, wonderful, biblical message up front, and it, but after it's over, the people that you talk to, those phone calls that you get, that shepherding, I mean, and, and, the, and the message that your own life gives is so much more than the 30 minutes that you're speaking up front, that your life is the message. So I really, my I, first, I want to line up for duty first. It's um, our pastor talks about, um, a quote by Robert McShane that says, um, what your people need the most is holiness in your own life. And so pursuit of that, women will be drawn because they know you love Jesus and they will listen and they will follow and love with God's word like you want them to. Let's say you've spotted someone and you either you've spotted someone and you're wondering, you're trying mm -hmm. to evaluate whether or not they're mm -hmm. want to be a teacher, or maybe you have someone who tells you, mm -hmm. I, I want, I, I want to teach. Um, are there certain things you see in someone that is a red flag that you say, you know what, this is going to be awkward, but mm -hmm. I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, definitely, especially after you've been sitting in the chair of my, my chair at work for 17 years, you, you have some, um, your intuition picks up quick really? um, so when, when it feels like self-promotion as opposed to what be, a what would be call. a sign of that? Because I, I think we all, anyone who gets up in front of te to teach has to have some self-confidence. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and maybe they don't have to be an extrovert, but they've got to be willing to put themselves out there. So Where's that line of self-promotion? Well, I mean, first, I think Donna brings up a really good point. If they're not willing to be in a small group and, and to go through the ranks to submit to the, the more humble where you don't get the applause, then that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. you know, and, then, and so I, I usually always slow down. Um, thank you for letting me know. Let's, I want to get to know you better. 
what makes you think that? And, and then I just give it some prayerful time. Let's get to know each other better. And then another thing that you can easily do is to let them substitute teach once. And then let's talk about that afterwards or talk through it as you go. And then you're getting to feel how they go about that process. And you can read a lot more after that, too. So those are a few of the thoughts in my mind. How about you, Donna? What are red flags that you think, I'm not so sure? Yeah, we always would do an interview uh, for folks who wanted to be a teacher, and it includes my elder. And Oh, uh, and the elder is in uh, on that. elder is mm-hmm. in on that. And if, if they approach me about wanting to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a, well, I'll start. The first thing I agree with Carrie wholeheartedly, and I wouldn't, Self-promotion is kind of a form of pride, and sometimes mm-hmm. pride is a big obstacle. You know, if you think you already have it all down and you already know that, and I don't really need to do this interview, I'm really kind of fine. And, you know, so more often than not, it's going to be a character sanctification personality issue than someone who doesn't know enough Scripture because they can learn Scripture. And and I would think so many people think first about knowledge and speaking, leading ability. And I hear both of you saying it's it has character. a lot more to do with character and their own walk and their willingness. I heard you say, you know, willingness to be involved with other people. That follow yeah. up you talked yeah. about, the, the what happens in between the classes. Yeah. That's yeah. a very different quality sometimes, isn't it, than someone who's just really good up front. Right. Right, and and I mean, and I will say one of our most effective teachers is probably not an upfront person, hmm. but but the the her walk with Jesus is so in her the fruit of her life in her family in her marriage is so strong that women follow her follow mm. her beautifully. Mm-hmm. And and when you say most effective, how do you, how do you judge? Well, that? we all I mean we live in a media. Speakers who are wonderful are all over the news and TV everywhere. Well, not everybody in our pews, especially smaller churches. I mean, they're not going to be a video t- level teacher that you could pop in a video. And and yet I really do believe, and I might be changing subjects a little bit here, but I do believe that the purpose of the church is to extend the kingdom through the gifts in the body and to use your own women to disciple one another and you can to make those gifts flow is the sweetest way for the work the the work of Christ to be done within your church not that videos are not helpful and good but sometimes they can intimidate your teaching gift and they see someone like you Nancy as good as it is as wonderful it is and go well I could never teach like her I'm not even gonna try so I find that more than dealing with pride really wouldn't you say Donna it's like encouraging women come on you can do it let's do this there's one other aspect besides the the pride thing that's a that's a red flag and you can you can kind of pull that out by saying now what is it that you would like to teach if someone is aggressive about teaching and what you're trying to pull out there is their soapbox issues oh yes are they a one issue person that really wants to promote that through all the Sunday schools and it may be the latest eschatology or it may be a particular Christian speaker or program that they're a devotee of and that that's really what they want to do is is share that with everybody so they can love it like they do. So what do you do? Uh, well, you know, I, I'd say, you know, in our, our Sunday school, we really teach the Bible. And uh, what, I, what we need to do for training is to go back to resources. Let me work with you on some resources. And if you, uh, we're looking for bread and butter discipleship here. And let me work with you on that if you're desirous to teach, because that's really the curricula of our, Bible, of our Sunday school or our women's program. 
would you create an opportunity for some of those people if you think that that is a topic that needs to be dealt with within the discipleship we of the do, church? But but they're typically again going to be bread and butter things mm. like uh, stewardship, missions, grace. If I feel like there are classes that have a misunderstanding of the place of grace and obedience in our lives, I will circulate a teacher that teaches on that topic through those various classes to try to hone, you know, hone that some. So it is appropriate if there are things that your general congregation maybe wouldn't study on their own, Mm -hmm. but are needful in church life. So you mentioned, Donna, that at this one event, when you've got your clipboard, everybody wants to run uh, because they know you're about to, to maybe try to recruit them. Well, over the year, many years you've done this, what is it you think uh, in people, what is it that makes us want to say no? What, what are the anxieties people have about teaching and how do you encourage people? Maybe there's a part of them that wants to teach, but they've got anxiety about something. They've got a sense of inadequacy. Talk to us about some of those things that keep yeah. people saying no, and how do you help encourage them to step out there and try? More often than not, they're insecure about their grasp of Scripture. They're afraid they don't know enough. They're afraid they don't know how to get the answers from Scripture. Um, and in that in that case, that's an easy one because you have to start somewhere. I can have some, some sessions with them. I can begin to resource them. We can work through lessons and plans. They can be mentored by others. If that really is the only thing. I will have to say in this day and time there's been a, a, a change in the main reason that really, people what don't is want it? to teach. And it's the mobility of people that they are not here as much. They are often gone oh. a lot. And teaching is requires a lot of preparation work, and it requires that you're there. you got to be there every you week. you got to be there. You know, my favorite theologian, Woody Allen, said that 90% of life is showing up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. you have to be there. And I think right now that is as big that of an obstacle. It is a big challenge. I hadn't thought of that. Now, you can do team teaching, but nevertheless, it requires a lot more more planning for it to have cohesion and direction but being willing to make the time to do it for it to be a, a priority is a big challenge as well as a, I really don't know enough those are the two prongs mm-hmm. how about you Carrie yeah I, I mean I definitely would say I don't the fear that I don't know enough but and and really that that is about is that I'm going to receive some criticism you know that I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, embarrass myself yes and I'm I'm gonna be compared to some other teachers mm-hmm. and I'm not I'm gonna fall short we, none of us want to fall right, short. Right, And um, I try to just normalize that and go, it, it's a process. I mean, you have to practice teaching. I mean, you can't just get up there and you're, you're once and, and learn it. I mean, you have to, you, it, I mean, it's not like a riding a bike where you've learned it and you can just get back on any time. I think you have to be in practice of it to feel, to gain your confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, another thing that I, I think people are afraid of is... Um, time to prepare mm-hmm. and that that does relate to the mobility of people but also when you're trying to um, draw the young women up they often have little ones and how am I going to find time to study for 20 hours and I'm going to have to get a somebody to take care of my kids or what am I going to do to really be able to focus and the truth is it does take right. time right and there's not a shortcut so how do you encourage people when that's a real issue for them Team teaching helps a lot. 
Mm. You know, if you, I think the days, I don't know what you think about this, Donna, but the days of women being the sole teacher every single week, that's very difficult to do. And and if you, I mean, and there's, it's a beautiful thing to have a team teaching that loves each other. The, uh, one of our Bible studies for young moms has three teachers and the beauty in which they love each other. They're all three so different. The women in the class kind of relate to one more than the mm-hmm. other as personalities do. And then, you know, being the, those all three of those teachers have grandchildren and all over the place and they want to have time to go see them every now and then. And so that's, that's how we overcome that obstacle. We do less team teaching, but what I've started doing some is in the course of a semester uh, planning at least three weeks that the teacher will not teach. Now, maybe they need to be gone. Maybe they just need a break for more preparation time. But that's where I put substitute teachers in to give them a shot at trying. And that's where they put their toe in the water and and work with the teacher and they're mentored by them. And, you know, that's that's a good training technique. So, Donna, um, someone wants to teach, and they say, I'm afraid I don't know enough. So what do you suggest to them to get to where they not only have more confidence but more actual ability? How would you suggest someone who perhaps aspires to teach? Are there things we can do to prepare ourselves personally, to prepare ourselves in terms of biblical knowledge and in spiritual maturity. I mean, all that sounds like a really tall order, but do you have some tangible things you suggest to people? Well, and that all speaks to the fact that it's not always quick, mm-hmm. that it's not always fast. It's not something I can do this week or even this quarter necessarily to be ready. So that is to say you start years in advance, spotting people, suggesting things. I, I think, you you know, you see them, you say, you know, you probably have a gift of teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, be thinking about that. And let's keep talking about it. But then, then you go, and this this is interesting. When I came to First Pres, the one of the most godly men around, our Sunday school superintendent, I was he didn't know he did this, but in a casual conversation, he happened to mention that he had read through the Bible every year with on some plan for twenty three years. And I thought, I want to do that. He had no idea how he inspired me, and so, you know, yearly I I go through one plan or another of personal Bible reading. So it's got to be personal. That's where you cultivate your love of the Word. And it's not spoon-fed. You know, it is you and the Lord. Now, I like some plans better than others. I love a chronological through the year in a Bible plan because that seems to put the pieces together Mm -hmm. that we haven't uh, put together in general sermons or or lessons. Uh, So I love the chronological ones that then put the Gospels together and they insert the Psalms where they happened pretty much. And Mm -hmm. those kinds of things are real helpful. Uh, then you have to get in, in, a, in a small group Bible study. I think that's an essential uh, to do homework, to articulate it, and to iron sharpen iron. And to be involved in people's lives, mm-hmm. to understand the questions people are asking right. and the issues they're facing, the ways mm-hmm. the Bible needs to be applied, and to be learning how to articulate those things. A small group does that for you, doesn't it? It does. And who was it that said you need to know the Bible and you need to know your people Mm -hmm. side by side, one hand in the other? Mm -hmm. And that's what makes a great preacher or teacher. Mm -hmm. And and Nancy, I just need to say, this is one of your great strengths. I mean, just watching how you, 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 when you're preparing, when I hear you 
almost sit in your head in your audience and dream of what they might be thinking in the ways that you can apply the scriptures to their lives. And you've really um, motivated me in that area to pass that truth on. So thank you Mm -hmm. for that. So how do you tell Mm -hmm. those women who come to you and aspire to teach or those you see a Mm -hmm. gift in, but Mm -hmm. they say, I don't think I can do it. Mm -hmm. Do you have some specific things you suggest to people to become better equipped? Um, Typically, they're coming up from your existing Bible studies. And um, the first thing they'll usually do after they talk to me, or they may have already done it, but also talk to that lead Bible teacher in that class and go teach me some things. So that's probably, Hmm. and we've got some women that have been seasoned teachers for a long time. Connect them with someone else who's been doing it. So it's a mentoring type thing. And and let them um, work that through in their own Bible study in which they're already served. So they substitute some. Um, another thing is there's some excellent workshops that, um, I like to go pick four or five women who have that teaching gift. Let's go to this like Simeon's trust. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. And even if they are an information overload, when they come home, it's a confidence builder, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it goes back to, you know, if you can give people the tools they need that they continue to go back to and be sharpened by, I think that's really helpful. I encourage them to listen to podcasts of people that they respect and they like. Um, but warning, too, um, let, be yourself, you know, and let the scripture teach, teach it to yourself first. Mm-hmm. And then but talk, pick some good teachers that. to be yes. listening to. Yes. I, I suggest that to people too. And to not just casually listen, mm-hmm. but be listening. How do they get into the topic? How do they set up what the question is? Uh, do they state clearly what their points are? Right. How do they ask questions? Right. How do they bring it to a close? Right. And, yeah. All of those right. things to, right. to be listening for really how they right. do it. And I think it's very normal to be overwhelmed for quite a while. Like mm-hmm. wh- who the, the young woman that I'm working with right now just sat down with me last week and said, will you give me feedback each week that each time I teach? Are you doing that? I'm going to in the fall when we start back up, I'm going to. And, um, and I think I'm so respect her for being that humble. That takes a lot of mm-hmm. humility. Yes. I find uh, throughout the years as I've taught, a lot of times I want that feedback, but it can be really hard yes. to hear yes. <laughs> because it, it, one in the same time, there's a part of me, I, I really do want to hear how to get better, but because doing it well is so important to mm-hmm. me that it, uh, I'm, I'm more easily crushed when there is something, you know, that I, I realize, wow, you're right. That's not good. I share that with you. Same, same. It's very humble to be asked, asked that. And I'm, I'm going to pray about my answers to her, but I, I'm, I'm definitely going to respond. So, But there's things we can't see about ourselves that mm-hmm. we do that we really need a trusted ally mm-hmm. to point out to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like you're making some jumps in logic that you're not taking everybody along with mm-hmm. you for. Mm-hmm. You you are assuming people understand some words that mm-hmm. you're using that maybe you need to define. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You've got a a verbal tick, whether it's um or uh or I won't tell you what mine is because then you'll listen for it, but I have one. And so, but it really helps to have someone point it out so you can be conscious of it. It does. And, but early on, and you know, maybe this point of wisdom will help someone else. I, um, called, um, a woman, Vicki Craft. She's since passed away to be, uh, be with Jesus. But I had just started in this role and I had 
a boatload of teachers that had been doing it for a long time who were much older than I was. And she, but I had some problems in my heart about how they were teaching. I would, I would love to have given them some feedback, but of course they weren't asking me for it. But, but anyway, Vicki Kraft said the wisest thing. She goes, once women hit their mid fifties, they're probably not going to change in their style very much. Ooh. And I think that's right, which says two things is, um, first of all, if we're going to change, ask for those when you're young, you know, try to make changes and grow while you're young because it is very hard to make changes. And then, then but the second thing that did was kind of release me and, and think, Lord, I just will have to let you make them the teacher you want them to be. And it's been, it's been fine. So are there two or three books that each of you would suggest to someone who says someday out there, I want to be a good teacher and I want to be developing some skills and knowledge now. Carrie, are there some books you would recommend? I would. Um, one of the books that um, I use, I, I think that's what I thought of first is what do I use is there's some wonderful questions in the back of a book called one-to-one Bible reading by David Helm. And actually they're taken from Kathleen Nielsen and, and what those questions do for me is they're divided up into the genres of Scripture. And when I'm studying a passage, it's in the Psalms, then I take that group of questions and I go, have I done all these things as I've studied this passage? And that's like a wonderful checklist. And, and it's, that's a tool that's very, very helpful. So back of a book on that mm-hmm. one. Um, a long time ago, I read a book by Howard Hendricks, who was a wonderful teacher who also has gone to be with the Lord from Dallas Seminary. And it's, it was called By the Book, which was just a classic. He was a very pragmatic teacher. So again, you could just pick it up, get some good skills and grid of how to think it through. Um, and then I think the third one um, would be a book, and, and Donna, you mentioned this, and you can talk more about this, but the one by Dan Doriani. And I remember hearing him speak and then grabbing that book and thinking, I want to keep this on my shelf. And that's so, the book, Getting the Message. Is yes. that right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Donna recommended that to me years ago, and I appreciate mm-hmm. it. It really helped me. How about you, Donna? What What do you recommend to people? Yeah, I, ha- I have a couple of books that they can read, like Getting the Message by Dan, which is a great thing to introduce you to looking at Scripture through a historical redemptive lens and seeing the gospel uh, in the Old Testament and not just teaching moralism, but really seeing what what the genre is about and, and how to interpret that. He's also done a wonderful one on uh, applying the message, also called putting the truth to work, depending on which edition you get on application. Um, there's another new book that's out, Murray Capehill, on um, The Heart is the Target. Fantastic book. I've never heard of that. Okay. Again, he has lists of questions through the the, the lens of uh, the the, the list, listener. What are they interested in? How do they hear things? How does this connect with their life at these points? And it's very very helpful. Simple, very simple to read. But as you when you had had asked about that question, 
really the first things that came to my mind were some resources that okay. are ongoing, not just things that you sit down and read. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, what do you want on your shelf? You know, one thing that I use a lot, and I don't hear a lot of people say it, is the Zondervan uh, Encyclopedia of the Bible. Hmm. Are you familiar with that? I am, but I don't know that I would I think of pulling it off of the shelf the when I'm preparing to teach. When I'm preparing to teach, if I want a big picture grasp of a concept word or person throughout all of Scripture, it has an encyclopedic Give me an example. Index. It could be any any person. It could be, you know, Joseph Job. It could be uh, love in the Bible or the church. Or um, it could be kingdom mm-hmm. developed in the Bible. And it gives you in probably two columns, you know, a title like that, complete overview. Another resource you should have is the ESV study Bible. Mm-hmm. I use you that a lot. can't beat the notes and the charts and the graphs and the intros and the themes and... All of that. It's just all right there. Uh, there is, and Nancy, by the way, the the, the um, Gospel Transformation Study Bible, I love. I know I you were a contributor too. to that. And what that, a again, I, we, we did First uh, Kings this year in one of the studies I was doing. And it's so helpful to show the Gospel in Christ application parts. Yeah, and let's explain that a little bit because that's how I use it. I'm thinking about, Carrie, when you talked about the questions in the back of David Helm's book, you know, are you, have you done these things in your teaching? And one thing we always want to do is, am I getting to the gospel in my teaching or am I really you know, teaching moralizing or putting it on people, here's what you've got to do or am I getting to the point of what Christ has done? And I think the Gospel Transformation Bible specifically to read the notes on whatever passage it is you're it working is so on really helps you go, oh, yeah, yeah. I got I to gotta get that in there. Yeah, I give that to all of my teachers, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a context in which we have um, about 14 different, we call them circles, in the church. And so there are 14 different teachers. And I'll sit down with them once a month and go through the lesson around Wait a the minute. table. Wait a minute. Yeah. Once a month, your teachers are willing to come and get together for you to do kind of some training. I think that's amazing. I have to say this, that I love teaching. I love, I've studied a lot and I know a lot, but there are a dozen women in my church that are better teachers than I am and that they are among those. And so it's a fantastic. And they still come every month. uh, Your best ones always do. That's the way that works. What do you do? Uh, I do the research on the background of the passage. And they've done some research, and I have an outline. I make up an outline for a lesson, and we talk through, and then we'll ask for sticky issues, and we'll brainstorm about applications a lot. And some will bring in the history. You know, some are more bent toward that. And it's a grand time. I bet it's it is when you're in a circle with people who are invested in the passage. Mm-hmm. They've done some work in it, too. Mm-hmm. And they love God's Word enough to want to get to it. What's this they about? Do. That really is pretty fun. They go out and teach 300 ladies in my congregation. Wow, that's very yeah. cool. What, what do you think, Carrie? Yeah, well, we don't have everybody teaching the same thing. So yeah, that, so that's that different. wouldn't work. Um, what I do do with teachers every fall uh, before they start teaching their Bible studies um, is we have a, it's almost like a continuing education. And it is a six hour, five, six hour training time. Um, and I do something different every fall. Um, but Do people come? The, all the teachers have to come. 
Do they want to come? Yeah, I think so. But I'm trying to make it pretty quality. So yeah. if you want to, I think so. Good food. Bring them on. Um, but if we, I said, you know what? I've come to that several years, Carrie, and I really think I've got this in hand. I'm not going to be able to be there this be going year. back to our red flags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that might not work. But, um, but we... But, I mean, I'm, a couple of the associate pastors are going to teach, and 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 then one of our elders is going to update on on some shepherding issues. So I think it's going to be really good. Well, I would think one thing that that does is we don't want teachers who are lone rangers in the church. Isn't that something we would look for in a teacher? Someone who, you know, you mentioned someone who has a pet topic, but also someone who is so convinced that they are right and basically have an unsubmissive spirit yeah, to the pastors and elders of the church. It's an authority issue. It is. Yeah. And so uh, for people who to recognize, okay, I, I want to get with the pro, I want to be a part of what our church is doing rather than in a sense, use the church as a platform mm-hmm. to teach what I want to teach. Mm-hmm. The last question in our teacher interviews is always, will you agree if you find yourself at odds with the doctrines of the church? to tell us that and we agree to come under the submission of the session and officers about that if you are at odds with uh, their beliefs well let's talk about that let's talk about maybe they haven't come to you to say it mm-hmm. but you get reports of something going on and maybe it's a doctrinal thing maybe it's um, that that person is you know, maybe just too harsh mm-hmm. that they're not letting anybody talk when it's supposed to be a discussion and it's become a monologue. Or maybe you discover that they're interacting with the women, or maybe it's a men and women's class, in such a way it's alienating people. People are dropping out or, or whatever. That's got to, ha- has that happened to you? I mean, yeah. So give me a sense of what some of the problems are that have come up like that, that you've had to deal with. And so what did you do? Well, you're all over the map about complaints that people can have because on a Monday morning I could sit at my desk and, and get six calls of people about regularly. No, occasionally okay. about the same teacher. Some oh, calling the same teacher to then. say, that was the best thing I've ever heard. And some calling to say, I can't stand him, get him out of there. And so you can hear those kinds of reports. So my first response about those kinds of things, particularly if they report he's he's not teaching it just right or or he is haughty or he's taking up too much time, my first thing I have to say is, well, gee, what did he say when you told him that? <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it becomes, uh, you know, if, I, if it elevates to the level of me and I have to go talk to him, then it's sort of a tattletale. And it's sort of a he said, she said, because I wasn't there to hear it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, go to them and get that straightened out. Say, did I hear you right? Is this what you were saying? Are you sure you mean that? I don't think I believe that. Talk to me about that. I mean, have a normal conversation and just make sure you're dealing with the real thing at that point. And if it is indeed a real thing, then we and my elders have a chance to go and talk. Another important thing is don't, you know, don't wait until there's a problem to talk to people or have a relationship. That wouldn't go mm-hmm. well in a marriage. You know, what if your husband only talked to you when, when you overspent or when you didn't discipline 
well. So you have to have that foundation of relationship up front, set expectations, talk about goals, talk about processes. And then at that point when it comes in, it's not the first time they've heard that. Mm-hmm. Many times I will say, you know, this is an area you need to study if it's a, if it's a doctrine. Would you be willing to do further study on that? Our, min- our ministers are great about meeting with people for weeks to try to work on those kinds of things. And if they wouldn't, then, I, you know, that's when you just have to kind of say, oh, I'm really sorry about that. I hope you'll think about that. And if you, you know, change your mind, let me know. But in the meantime. That's why you want to want to have chosen someone in the first place who has some humility and mm-hmm. teachability. Mm-hmm. Right? And that they have agreed that they would submit to the authority of the session in case that happened. Yeah. How about you, Carrie? What are some of the things that have come up that you've had to deal with with teachers? I mean, thankfully, I have not had any booger bears um, over doctrinal issues in about 10 years. So, nice. So that's been re- enough where you, I've got to pull an elder into this. So, um, and when I did, um, I, a pastor was involved with that, and, and we just took it through the curriculum committee um, and to the past the session, and they, they dealt with it. So... Uh, but our we um, don't have an interview, but we have our teachers sign a teacher's covenant, mm. and they it's all of the things. It's a summary of a lot of the Westminster Confession things, and and they have to agree to all of this, and we have it on file, and so that you could always go back and say so you you signed this and you said this, and I like the interview. Have you ever had to do there. that? No, 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 and um, thankfully no, and um, and then just. Back up just a second, Don. I would so agree with you. You would just say, "Well, have because you do get complaints and um, you do get some things." But I would listen and say, "Have you talked to that woman?" Um, then I would say, "Am I hearing this from not just her, other people?" And then, and then if it gets to a point that we need to talk, we talk. Um, and does then, that? Do you have to do that? No. I mean, I haven't. Ha- I, I, I mean, I can count on. I think I've had to do it twice. In, in 15 years of managing the Bible studies, working with the Bible studies. So it just, thankfully, it doesn't happen very much. Mm-hmm. But I meet with my teachers for lunch. Mm-hmm. We're friends. We lo- I know what's going on with them. I know how to pray with them. Um, I need to do that better all the time. But the relationship and that we're all growing together. Mm-hmm. And, and they love being in our church. They love being under the authority. I, and I think that always goes back to they're in the Word, they're growing, their own personal growth is in process, they're part of our body. I don't know what we would do without them. So I imagine that both of you are in the position all of the time that you're always thinking about the next fall, spring, summer, what's going to be taught. And are we going to use some kind of curriculum written by somebody else? Is someone on our staff or some layperson in our church going to write it themselves? And what that, what's that process going to be like? So talk to us a little bit about curriculum, how you choose it what you're looking for, what you would always avoid, um, the, the kind of things that you would just never want to use, Carrie? Well, I would say, first and foremost, don't be surprised if this is the most challenging area in all of your teacher, working with teachers in Bible studies. And um, Donna helped me years ago, became a resource for me, and I've been so thankful for that. Um, So because it's so challenging to also um, be in line with the Reformed traditions in your church, and then you, but you have the people side of uh, women 
that um, they want to choose what they want to choose. Yeah. And um, so what we do now is um, this, the leadership of each class, um, the team teachers, the core small group leaders will talk about what they would like to teach in the spring for the fall. They decide within a, a month they have to have that information back to me, and then it has to be approved by our curriculum committee. Okay, and then so you have a back. curriculum committee right. made up of some elders and staff yes. members. and I, I sit on that committee too. Okay. And so we were able to have that personal touch to the committee. Can you tell us some of the kinds of things that maybe have come to the committee that you've said no to and why? Well, and th- this goes back to my earlier statement about uh, one of the downsides, and again, nothing personal, Nancy, <laughs> but I'm using a video, is, and I love you to death, um, but using a video of a teacher that you've never met, you don't know, you, there develops such a loyalty to someone that has such a persona um, that you, you cannot ask questions, mm-hmm. you cannot correct them, mm-hmm. and then they develop an authority that doesn't match what the rest of your church has. And, and they, um, when your women develop more loyalty to that person who's just on a screen more than your church, then if you stop using that particular popular curriculum, then they'll go someplace else. And that's the big danger in developing something that doesn't fit in line with your church. And I can't tell you how many churches I've been to where a pastor has pulled me aside and talked to me about that being a real problem Mm -hmm. in their church. And, you know, asked my opinion about what to do about it, and I don't necessarily have any great wise answer. Mm -hmm. Uh, I guess that's something, I don't know if that's something unique to women, and maybe it's just that there's more available that's women on video that gets used in women's ministry. Um, But that is a big challenge in a lot of our churches is the personal loyalty to a particular teacher from outside the church. Yes. That, as you said, can't be challenged, can't be corrected, and that develops such and uh, our people develop such an affinity for them. Basically, they believe that teacher over the elders and pastors yes, of our church. Yes, that's not well said. You said that well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Donna? Um, what are you looking for in curriculum? What are you avoiding? Yeah, I want to comment on the, the personality thing. I think as, as creatures, we are, like Calvin said, our hearts are perpetual idol makers. And we love to have hero worship. You know, we love to, and that's where the following teachers, and we're habitual creatures, and we get into habits of certain kinds of uh, formats and studies that then become right on par with scriptural fidelity, that if it's not that, that it's not the best one. And I had a running joke with uh, my good friend, many of you may know, Derek Thomas, of course, when he was at our church and taught Sunday school, everybody wanted to follow Derek. You know, we might as well have had one Sunday school class because wherever Derek was teaching, we had 20-odd classes, he would have his followers, and I would tease him about, you know, his his uh, hangers-on. And one solution we came up uh, with was that I had him teach uh, for two years the same topic, that I moved him from class to class, but it was the same topic because I was trying to create community and leadership in the standing classes. And that worked somewhat better. But it was an ongoing you know, joke between the two of us about that. Um, obviously, in Scripture, you want fidelity to Scripture. And in our context, you want uh, fidelity to, to the doctrines of grace. Now, a lot of, of outside 
programs, Bible studies, speakers, that's the point at which they will fail is the, is the Reformed doctrines, doctrines of grace. So, for instance, um, we have a very, very formed doctrine of the Word of God, that it is authoritative, uh, that it was finished in the canon, that, that, that it's the Scripture. And a lot of popular teachers, very, very popular teachers now, have a t- this tendency, they, they hear from God a lot. And they hear from God about things like who they should talk to or where they should move, things that aren't in the Bible. And I am so aware of my own subjective tendencies and times when I maybe would have, have thought, you know, the Lord told me this, but later I realized it was just it was my own inclination. And I'm afraid that that's where those kinds of teachers lead people. It sounds exciting spiritually to hear from the Lord a bunch. But it sends women either um, into wanting to hear from the Lord themselves and following their subjective uh, uh, feelings about it, or guilty because they don't hear from the Lord. So I, I find that to be the biggest thing right now that, that to be alarmed at in studies. I find it really helpful to be proactive, to have a plan. Uh, to be proactive with what you want them to study. And I have different ministry teams besides the circles. Once we have other Bible studies, and each has a ministry team. And I work with each of them, and we come up with the Bible study instead of asking for uh, suggestions. It, teachers give good ones, though. It's not that I don't listen to that at all. But you know, we have a plan, mm-hmm. and we're proactive about saying next spring this is what we're teaching. I imagine that both of you, you've both been in the churches where you are for a long time. And so you've been able to see the transformation, the improvement, the growth of people who maybe at one point, they were that person who said, no, I'll never know enough. I can't get up in front of people. I won't be able to answer the questions. And they stepped out there, and they did some of that work of preparing, and they have grown in their understanding of the Bible. Very dear friend that I pursued strongly to, to start teaching. She uh, was a teacher by education, but she was very humble, uh, really claimed I don't know enough. I wouldn't know where to start. Um, and yet uh, she was obedient to God, and she wanted to serve her church, and she wanted to serve in the ways that were needed, not just the ways that she wanted to. Now, there's a good sign of a teacher. You know, what do you need? Not this is what I have to do. So uh, she started teaching, and uh, she learned that everything overlaps in Scripture, that if you teach one book, that all of a sudden it appears everywhere in all the rest of the Bible. So, So she gained expertise. She spent hours and hours. People have no idea how many hours teachers spend. Uh, One mentor of mine mentioned one time as she was teaching the hours she had spent that week, and somebody came up to her after class and said, Are you serious? You study? I thought you just got up and told us what you already knew. And she was just flattened by that, (laughs) having no idea. Nevertheless, my other friend that I was talking about, through years and years and years of just faithfulness and good, she was good, solid, always. But um, life happens. And she had uh, a long caregiving time for her mother that had, she had not had a great childhood with her mother, yet she cared for her devotedly for years to the point of losing her health over it. She had uh, issues with another family member, a child of hers, very serious rebellion, rebellion kinds of issues that flattened her. 
And the Lord did it through each of those things as she clung to him. She, the things that she said, the pearls of wisdom, the ways he had taught her in those hard times came out up front. And, I mean, it was totally transformational. And I would say, you know, you were always good, but now. And I said, was it your mother? She said, no, it was my son. And that, that she had just clung to the Lord through those things, and he had done this marvelous thing in her that now she could share. Mm-hmm. And it comes across in everything she teaches, mm-hmm. not, not just the one topic. Mm-hmm. How about you, Carrie? Oh, that's, that's beautiful. I, I love hearing that. Well, um, I'm going to go a little bit younger. And, and um, there was a young woman who came to work in, with me, partnered with me, as we taught young adults, young women. And that Bible study, and um, when I first heard her, heard her teach, she was teaching middle school girls, and I remember thinking, uh-oh, she did not complete a thought. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. But she was had a seminary degree, and she was eager to teach, and anyway, we, darling personality, and I thought, okay, we can work with this, and a passion for the Word, and um, so we began to teach together, and she grew and grew, and uh, she has since, um, she's about to finish up her PhD in women's ministry and reach, and her topic is reaching um, the millennial generation to deal with biblical illiteracy among that group of women, people. And she's, she's teaching me so much about how to communicate, how to motivate that young group of people who don't come to the table anymore, come to our Bible studies anymore. And if they do come, they don't have a background like we used to, we have historically been able to assume. And um, so she's learned, I'm learning so much from her, but that discipleship piece of coming along beside, spending time, and, and then affirming her and doing something together with her. We talked together for three years. Mm-hmm. And, and then just watching her now, she's at a church in Tennessee with her husband, and she's just, she's just flourishing. It's really fun to see that. As you say that, I realize perhaps sometimes we think teaching, either I've got it or I don't. And so we think, okay, I'm just not good at that. And I, I think by what you're saying, I'm really seeing I mean, that this is a skill that we can grow in. Yes. Uh, with desire, with willingness to work, with mm-hmm. openness to critique, mm-hmm. with a willingness to seek out a mentor and maybe many mentors that you listen to over the internet through podcasts, however, and to basically set it in your heart, I want to learn to do this well, and that's possible. You know, what happens there is in much of Christian life is that God um, endows our natural abilities and gives them supernatural uh, effect on people. All we have is natural until he does it. You know, you're saying that reminds me of my mentor in teaching the Bible, someone I had known from before the time I was married, and then I moved to Nashville, and she invited me to a Bible study she taught. And I have to tell you that a part of me thought, this can't be very good, because I didn't see her as someone who was a big upfront teacher. And I got there, and God worked through her teaching. And that's where I began to see God works through his word. And it's not all about the personality and skills and all these things of the teacher. I mean, we want to get better at this. And yet God promises to work through his word. And 
I sat under her teaching week by week on the front row for seven years. And it was there that I began to think, you know what? If he could have such an impact in my life through her teaching, I wonder if I could ever do this. And that's what began to implant in me the desire to teach, to just watch how God worked through her. It's a beautiful thing, isn't mm, it? And, and I, mean, I mean, what you're saying is and I, that woman was walking with Jesus. She was yes. prayerful. She was praying. She was teaching it to herself before she taught it to others. And yes, there's a skill side that you learn and grow in. And I mean, to be honest, I've had teaching times that fell flat. Haven't we all? Uh, And, and, or or just those weeks that everything hit and I could hardly prepare. But then you, maybe during that week, I still stood up and I taught what I knew. And people said, you know, that might be the best lesson you've ever done. (laughs) You know, and just... The, the effectiveness of the Word of God as we abide in Him is what produces the fruit. You're so right, Nancy. Absolutely. I love that story. I love it when people tell me that I'm right. Yes, all teachers do. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, <laughs> thank you both so much for sharing with me and with those who listen to help me teach the Bible your wisdom. Thank you. Oh, thank you for asking us. You've been listening to Help Me Teach the Bible with Nancy Guthrie, a production of the Gospel Coalition sponsored by Crossway. Crossway is a not-for-profit publisher of the ESV Bible. Christian books and tracts learn more about their gospel-centered resources at crossway.org.